Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode number eight of Seeking Witchcraft. Like always, I'm your host, Ashley. And today we're going to be talking about the wheel of the year. So before I start, I want to say two things. One, um, if you've listened to my previous episodes, uh, you'll know that I have completed a official Gardnerian initiation so yay <laughs> that's excited i am officially a lineage gardenerian witch so that's cool um but that being said still everything i pretty much say in this podcast is going to be from my own opinion it's not going to be anything reflective off the gardenerian tradition so yeah take that with uh or do with that what you will but yeah so today i actually have a host with me a co-host if you want to introduce yourself Hi, my name is Allison, and I know Ashley because we are in a coven together. <laughs> yeah. So Allison is also an initiated member in the Gardnerian tradition. Mm-hmm. So fun stuff. She knows a lot about the Wheel of the Year, so I'm probably going to let her do most of the talking. <laughs> you ready for this? So ready. All right. Okay, cool. So even if this doesn't end up taking the entire 30 minutes, I'm still going to be splitting up this episode simply so I don't have to rush through all of the Sabbaths. So today we're going to cover um, Yule, Imbolc, Imbolc? Imbolc. There we go. <laughs> Astara and Beltane. So to start, well, what exactly is the Wheel of the Year? Um, okay, well, the Wheel of the Year encompasses eight Sabbaths or holidays that are generally celebrated by pagans and witches. And no, you don't have to be Wiccan to celebrate. So what do I mean by this? (laughs) Well, each Sabbath corresponds to different cycles in the earth that its inhabitants go through, which I'll discuss in depth a little bit later, or rather Allison will. (laughs) Uh, Wiccans will generally look at the Sabbaths in regards to the mythology surrounding the god and goddess and their relationship, but if you're not Wiccan, you could still look at it through the lens of the natural earthly changes from the seasons, from like winter to spring to summer to fall. All right, um... It's important to know that the Sabbaths aren't always exactly on the same day each year as the precise moments they happen can change, but they're generally celebrated within a three to five day time frame. Um, if you're not sure when the Sabbath will fall during the year, you know, Google is great. <laughs> um, but what I'm going to do is uh, I'll mention the Sabbath for the day they fall in for 2019, which will only really apply for Yule um, for this episode and uh, 2020. Um there's a whole bunch of additional information regarding the Sabbath since their origins, if they're set on a moon Sabbath or greater or lesser Sabbath, etc. But, you know, just for the sake of being a beginner topic, I'm just going to cover information on the Sabbath themselves, plus something you can do to celebrate. <laughs> um, the order of how the Sabbaths are presented usually have um, Samhain as a starting Sabbath or Yule. But on the next episode, I'm going to explain why Samhain, or it kind of looks like it says Samhain, if you're wondering what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, some people call it Samhain if they've never heard anyone else say it before. That's just kind of how it reads in any book. <laughs> exactly. But it is pronounced Samhain. Um, but yeah, next episode, I'm going to explain why it's sometimes referred to as the start of the Wheel of the Year, but today I'll be starting with Yule. Anything you want to add? Or um, No, that was a pretty good introduction, but yeah, the... <laughs> 
The Wheel of the Year, like you said, is following the story of the god and the goddess, but the god is generally represented by the sun and the light, and the goddess is generally represented by the nighttime and the darkness, and they kind of complement each other. Neither one is seen as better or worse than the other one necessarily. Like, winter is not seen as a bad thing. It's just seen as naturally part of the cycle, and so... If you're not necessarily, like, following the theory that it is the god and the goddess, if you just imagine it as daytime and nighttime and sort of the play and trade-off between the day and the night, that's another way to imagine it. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, thanks. Cool. All right, so we're going to start with Yule. So everyone's probably heard of this one, even if you're just new in your practice. I mean, hello, if you've seen Harry Potter, they have the Yule Ball. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so Yule is regarded as the first day of the winter solstice, which is also the time of the year where we have both the shortest day and the longest night. The start of Yule generally corresponds with the Western calendar, which is why I'm starting with it first. Um, so that being said, Yule takes place usually... Sometime between December 20th and 23rd, I'm sorry, December 20th through the 23rd. Uh, In both 2019 and 2020, Yule is going to begin on December 22nd, so that should be easy to remember. (laughs) Um, The Wiccan belief during this time is that the god, also known as the sun, is reborn from the goddess, who is known as the earth, but... The god is still pretty young. He's an infant, which is why the days are shortened. And the earth is pretty still or silent as the goddess is recovering from the labor of giving birth to the god. So if you don't subscribe to that belief, don't worry. (laughs) Overall, Yule does celebrate the renewal of life through the sun, whether you want to follow the god and goddess story or not. So Yule is a really great time to reflect upon your year, as well as a plan for the future. It's also a really great time to give thanks for the warmth of the sun and fire, and a lot of people do this by lighting candles and having a Yule log. Yule logs are generally logs that are kept throughout the year, or at least a piece of it, (laughs) and they're burned during the Sabbath. So if you're like me and you do not have a fireplace or a way to burn a log, you can also just take a log and you can drill holes and insert some candles into it. Typically what people do is there'll be three candles they put to the log, so red and green or white or black and gold um, are some recommended colors. And yeah, they'll just put them in the log and light them that way and let the wax drip down on it. A lot of people also decorate their logs using evergreens, which are like trees or shrubs that maintain their leaves their leaves during the winter. Allison and I had a lot of fun trying to find some evergreens last Yule. Yep, that was <laughs> quite a time. Yeah, we went on an, on a, an adventure for that, but we found some. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, uh, but other examples of evergreens, just like holly trees or pine or things like that. In terms of rituals, there's two that I can recommend that you could do for Yule. The first would be a ritual to kind of just welcome back the sun, although this may be something that would be performed mostly by Wiccans. Um, If you want to do something a little bit different, though, you could do a cleansing ritual, as this is regarded as the beginning of the year, so they're fresh starts. Um, But if neither of these, you know, seem like something you want to do, just off the record, I personally really like the idea of a ritual regarding celebrating like love, family, friendship, and the covenship in your life. Um, the reason why Yule is very is you know is because Yule is so close to the other holidays like Christmas or Hanukkah, which generally involves celebrating the love between family and giving gifts. This is not an official ritual <laughs> that I've seen done for Yule, especially since this idea can really tie into almost any of the other Sabbaths. But it's just an idea of something you could do if neither of the other two ideas really vibe for you. 
All right, I'm going to hand this off to Allison, who knows a lot about the other three holidays. So here you go. So are we going on to Imolk now? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Imolk is sort of a continuation of Yule in a way. It can also be called Candlemas. And Yule is like the pivot point where it's the shortest day of the year. And now the days are getting longer. That's why it's the birth of the god. Imolk is the light is growing now. The days are officially getting longer. You might be starting to feel that like the sun is taking longer to set. Like it's not dark when you're getting out of work or school or whatever. Like it feels like maybe spring is somewhere over the horizon. Um, but Candlemas is a celebration of the god becoming an infant. He's starting to grow a little bit. He's not a baby anymore. Um, and some ways that people celebrate this, hence the name Candlemas, people can give gifts of candles or lighting candles off of other candles is like a big thing because it's celebrating the light spreading and the light growing. And so it's halfway between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. And, oh, this year it is going to, or in 2020, it's going to be on February 1st. Yeah, and it's close to Valentine's Day because the gift giving of the candle is kind of like a flirtatious thing sometimes where, yeah, so that can be kind of an equivalent to (laughs) Valentine's Day. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. All right. feel like I'm gonna go through these too fast. That's okay. But Ostara, so in 2020, Ostara is gonna be on March 19th, and it is the spring equinox, so usually when people celebrate the spring equinox, it's like March 21st, but it can be anywhere around like that sort of three-day span. And at this point, the god is a child, and he's starting to get older, but there is still like a youthful innocence about it. Um... They're still very young, but it's close to Easter, and even Ostara sounds like Easter, kind of. And um, Easter, as it's celebrated by most people today, involves bunnies and eggs and things like that. Lots of symbols that are fertility symbols, even though they're not necessarily seen as that these days, because it's like sort of... I don't know, I feel like fertility rituals are seen as, like, very inappropriate, and so we kind of call them something else, and now it's, like, Easter is sort of a celebration of, like, in Christianity, Jesus dying, which doesn't exactly match up with the original pagan celebration of of rebirth, but I feel like when they're trying to introduce a new holiday, they sort of have to allow the old holiday to continue to exist in it because people aren't just going to drop their old traditions and their old rituals like these have been celebrated for thousands of years and it's it's the natural progression of the year of things being born and so you kind of have to let the pagans keep doing their thing and then maybe try to get them to add something else on top of it as opposed to just dropping it all together um like the rituals and so rituals where do we have rituals so this is a good time for planting seeds and anything that has to do with growth so a lot of people like plant flowers and herbs and stuff herbs and things like that it's not necessarily a good time for like hardy crops per se like that's closer to the harvest is when you start doing the things like the grains and the gourds and stuff but it's a good time for flowers and anything that sort of brings spring to mind and also cleaning rituals are good 
like with a besom or ritual broom if you want to like sweep all the negative energy or all just like the stale energy from the winter out of your house it's a good time of year to do that yeah you're rebirthing mm-hmm. you know your environment so I, you know it's good to do some spring cleaning yeah it's kind of a fresh start and ostara eggs are a thing sounds kind of like easter eggs it's <laughs> Another equivalent sort of ritual that's kind of carried over. A lot of traditions around the world do this, like um, Ukrainian traditions will like blow the yolk out of the egg by poking like a little hole in it and then do really like intricate design painting on it. Or, you know, a lot of people just hard boil their eggs and then dip them in the dye. But it's all just sort of a general reverence and worshipping of the life and the rebirth and like the symbols of fertility and stuff like that yeah cool so yeah shall we move on to beltane yes let us move on to beltane beltane's a big one um beltane is about sex beltane is the sex holiday the (laughs) definitive sex holiday there's really a lot of sex no buts about it yeah um there's a lot of buts (laughs) yeah true um so this one is on may 1st in 2020 um and it is celebrating the miracle that is reproduction, the human ability to procreate. It is a beautiful thing that modern Western culture has kind of made inappropriate and unspeakable in a lot of ways. But um, the most recent equivalent of Beltane can be seen in May Day, which is kind of an old fashioned thing now, like not a lot of not a lot of main cities will really celebrate this, but if you go to, like, small towns, especially, like, small European towns and like, Germany and England and stuff like that, you can still see villages will celebrate with a maypole. We had a May Day uh, celebration here where I live, mm-hmm. which was yeah. really cool. And I went, and I was like, I hope there's a maypole, and there was, but they were like, oh, no, that's only for the performers to use. And I was like, well, dang, I wanted to do it, but okay, that's fine. Yeah, there's a maypole at the Renaissance <laughs> Fair where I'm from, around Chicago, Wisconsin area, and they let us participate in the maypole, which is super fun. And it's not an outright spoken thing, but the maypole is very obviously symbolic of a penis, and <laughs> I'm just going to say it. It's, Mike, it's a penis. It's a penis, yeah. It's <laughs> it's the... so. For Ostara, where you have the decorating of the egg and sort of the, like, reverence for that. Germation. The, yes, the maypole is the decoration and celebration of the penis and <laughs> in all its glory and for what it can do, which is impregnate, which is kind of what it's, what Beltane's about. It's about, um, like, at this point in the story, the god and the goddess have come of age and now they are hooking up, reproducing, and doing the thing that they are meant to do, like, that's kind of a major part of what life is about. In order for there to be life, there needs to be conceiving. And so Beltane is sort of taking Ostara to the next level and conceiving. And so symbols of it are red, flowers, and sex magic, which not necessarily as well versed in but if there is any time to sort of do anything like a fertility spell to help enhance your chances this is a good time of year because naturally in the wheel of the year this is a time when like the spark of life is in the air and yeah it kind of helps give any magic you could be trying to do in that realm an extra oomph an extra gusto (laughs) i was gonna say that too (laughs) yes So you mentioned one thing um, about, like, in the story. Like, can you talk a little bit about, like, the Wheel of the Year? 
and how it's like a story yeah so in the beginning in yule the reason that so some might see Samhain as being the beginning but that's actually kind of like the death point and then yule is the rebirth and so it depends on which one you want to see as the beginning it's kind of like whether you see a new moon or a full moon as being the start of the cycle it's which came first you know the chicken or the egg the chicken or the egg exactly so yule at least in my opinion is sort of a good natural starting point because it is the rebirth it is like i said before the shortest day of the year the day when the light is the smallest but it is also the day that all that changes the days are now officially have gotten as short as they're going to get and now they're becoming longer and so um if you follow the wheel of the year to the end the goddess is incredibly pregnant by the time Samhain comes around and she gives birth on yule and then there's kind of like the death of the goddess or going to sleep because it is a cycle like she doesn't die in the winter she goes to sleep and then she reawakens in the spring um it's all a very confusing story because while she is growing up alongside the god and then she um gets pregnant by him she also is pregnant with him and then gives birth to him on yule and so (laughs) kind of plot holes there but um yule is the day that the god is born and then throughout the entire wheel of the year he is getting older and growing older by the goddess and impregnating her so by imulk he is an infant he is growing older but he has not come of age yet it is still a time of year when the days are short like not longer than the nights yet but getting there on their way ostara is where he's finally starting to get closer to coming of age but it's still it's still too soon yet for there to be conceiving and then by the time you get to Beltane like the god and the goddess are both in the prime of their life ready to conceive the goddess is moving from the maiden phase to she is going to soon be in the mother phase she doesn't yet know she's pregnant but she is being impregnated there you go yeah cool all right well that's pretty much it for the wheel of the year but we're only 17 minutes in so um i guess i don't we just do a couple random tidbits about something um so if you've listened to my previous episodes i've actually referenced allison before (laughs) on the low um i talked a little bit about wands and um about the best way to grab them so do you want to self-identify that story um yeah so I don't know how thoroughly Ashley covered it before, but um, I was taught most of what I know about Gardnerian um, craft from my high priestess back in Chicago before I switched to the coven here where I currently practice. So my high priestess there always taught me like when I was looking for a wand for my ritual practice, I was asking her, you know, should I do the peaceful sort of thing and take a branch that has already fallen so I'm not disturbing the tree? And she actually said, no, you should take one from a branch live, just ask the tree first. Because if you, her reasoning for it was if you pick a branch up off the ground that's already dead, it's lost its energy of life, and then it is not going to be a useful tool to you because it has already lived its natural life and is ready to be done with its life and go back to the earth to become nutrients for the next tree that is going to grow and so there's no energy in that tool you can't really use it it's it's not gonna help you help serve you in the way that you're looking for 
if you pick a branch off a live tree, you should ask it first. You should, you should generally ask anything in nature before you take from it, like picking a flower and stuff. I mean, you might look a little bit crazy if you're out in a park, like talking to a daffodil like is it okay if i pick you thank you so much and then like how do you know if this daffodil is consenting to you picking it there's really no way to know you got to kind of be intuitive about it and then also um many pagans will leave an offering in return to nature so like if they pick a flower then they might go out and like water the rest of the flowers that are there try to give something back to the earth in return for what you've taken um but yeah, that all just depends on what you're comfortable with in your practice and how how deep you want to go with it. But um, yeah, by taking a live branch, you are, and if the tree sort of gives you its blessing to take that branch, then you have the energy of life still in the stick. And, and so it'll be an effective wand for you because it still has energy in it. It still has life. It is still thriving and will aid you in your practice and then you also have sort of that nature blessing with it of the tree being like yes use this in your craft i support you in your witchery in your witchery and your nature (laughs) ways go on pagan fairy child i support you (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah i mean that too like if you consecrate it right after you take it off the tree like yeah yes i guess the branch would technically start to die but by consecrating it you're kind of sealing in that energy with it so Mm -hmm. yeah all right. Well, um, is there anything you would tell somebody who is just starting out in their practice and super, super new? Any advice or things they should look into or books they should read? or? Um, I would say my advice is look into everything because religion is a very personal journey and it is all about finding what makes sense to you. The reason I was drawn to Wicca is because it's kind of a general all-encompassing like all gods are the god, all goddesses are the goddess, and it all fits into just sort of this natural conceptualizing of the positive and negative, the day and the night, balancing forces and stuff. So whatever makes the most sense to you is what you should go with, but also keep in mind that no one is more correct than the other. Like, Gardenarians get a reputation for being kind of like traditional by the book, hard asses about it, and... (laughs) It's not that we think we're right, per se. It's just that the ritual helps aid in the creation of sacred space. But you can definitely have a valid experience with any religion. It's all about how you're feeling it, if you're feeling it, if it's working for you, if it makes sense to you, and if it speaks to you. I remember when I was first um, starting to practice with my high priestess in Chicago, she had me watch this documentary about this guy who pretended to be um, like a guru teacher from India and he had all these lessons and he was preaching to these people and they got so invested in his message and at the end of like a year or so of practicing with him, he revealed to them that he was just he was just a regular guy. He had made up the entire religion, all the lessons he had come up with on the fly, and he was kind of BSing them the whole time. And some people got up and walked out of that room, and some people stayed in there and were like, well, no, I really felt what you were saying and feel like I learned something from you. And after I watched that documentary, I turned to my high priestess and I was like, 
why the hell did you show me this? What is <laughs> what is this? Yes. And she was like, she was like, this is sort of a representation of like, you don't have to stick with Gardnerian if you don't want to. You can practice Alexandrian. You can practice Blue Star. You can practice. You Dianic, can you can anything. practice Dianic. You can go back to Christianity. You can practice Muslim beliefs. You can be Jewish. Whatever you want to be, if you're feeling it, then that's your experience and that's valid. And no one can take that away from you. So true that. Yeah, that's just my nugget on it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. Well, any parting words or? Oh, thank you for having me as a guest on this. I'm so oh excited to be a part of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for helping. Yes. All right. Well, that's pretty much it for this episode, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know what you thought of Allison. I'm super excited that she got to come on as a co-host. Mm. Maybe I'll, you know, rope her into helping me with another episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, maybe part two of Will the Year. I don't know. We'll see. For sure, yeah. She we doesn't. Gotta, we got to finish the story. I know you're all on the edge of your seat knowing, wanting to know what happens with the god and the goddess next in their, ah. in their soap opera of the year. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Spicy, spicy. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, as always, you can hit me up on Twitter at Seek Witchcraft. And, yeah, if you have any questions or anything like that, hit me up. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.